This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Arsenal beat Manchester United for the first time at Old Trafford since 2006. We also go. Slatan Ibrahimovic, Magic, Real Madrid win, Atletico win, but Barcelona tie, a terrible goal to concede, and plenty more, including the Women's FA Cup final. And I give you my five top favorite number nines ever. We answer your questions. Stay right here with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. It's Kegolasso time. It's weekend recap time. It's Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad time. Fellas, how are you, Heath? How's it going, brother? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm happy. A lot of action. A lot to talk about. Jimmy C, what's up, man? How can you be happy when Aston Villa lost and gave up four goals? I don't believe it, Luis. I do not believe the words that are coming out of your mouth, but I appreciate I'm, your spirit. I'm a glass half full person. Still four <laughs> wins, only two losses, and we have a game in hand. Everything's hey, all James, right. James Ward-Prowse, the best player in the Premier League right now, exactly. so don't worry. You can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't coach against that. The only way you score against Villa these days is by scoring belters, and James Ward-Prowse yeah. proved it again. But anyway, welcome to Kego Lasso here with Heath and Jimmy to bring you all the action from the weekend, and we start with the Premier League and, you know, just because of historical connotations, we have to begin with Man United Arsenal. It really wasn't a great game, but uh, there was some good performances and a result for Arsenal. Arsenal win it one nothing. Um, a really, really good, solid performance from Mikel Arteta. Jimmy, uh, from a, you know, betting perspective, I guess we don't have to go that way. Uh, but tell me performance wise, uh, what you see in this game? It didn't go great betting wise. And so I apologize and put a friendly wager down. You know, I was leaning pretty heavy on Manchester United. I thought they had a little bit more momentum, even though they hadn't won any games at Old Trafford. And I guess that trend will continue. I should have maybe stuck with that trend. But I will say from a performance thing, I was pretty disappointed that Ole Gunnar went back to the double pivot of McTominay and Fred. I thought they proved against RB Leipzig that they only needed one of those guys, not two. And I'm looking at Jimmy, they're calling it the diamond. They're calling it the diamond. Sure, dude. It's it's a diamond. diamond Diamond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not uh, buying what they're selling there. Mr. Heath. I would say uh, that I think limits their ability to go forward in a little bit more of a meaningful way to create those numerical advantages to give maybe a playing partner to Fernandez in particular, where he can combine a little bit. I thought not having a Van de Beek out there just changes their creativity and their options. And then Greenwood, I thought was fine, but. I don't know. They missed Martial for sure. And I just don't think their balance was right. And and fair play to Arsenal. They're a lot more organized. They got a clean sheet. I mean, that's like, what? You don't really expect that from those guys. And they did what they needed to do to get the result. I thought Leno was good. He made some good saves. I was really impressed with Gabriel. I think he's a good signing. He maybe should have gotten a red card, by the way. He probably earned that second yellow and Greenwood diced him up. I don't know. I'm getting into the weeds here. But I'll just say with regard to creativity, I thought United lacked it. And I thought that the industriousness of Arsenal was enough for them to probably earn the, the full three points. Yeah, Heath, um, I think uh, to Jimmy's point, sometimes the answer is right there as you see it. United wasn't created enough. Uh, Arsenal were really well organized. I agree. I think Gabriel was excellent. I thought Thomas Partey was fantastic. Very good. A, a kind of player that really Arsenal needed. And for the first time since 2006, the Gunners win at Old Trafford, and it's a good victory. Uh, what'd you make of it, Heath? Yeah, I didn't actually know that stat, how long it's been. I know it's been a long time, but yeah, that, that, that's a lot longer than I thought it was. But uh, yeah, Thomas Partey, again, you're starting to see how an Arsenal who can play beautiful football can start to take more calculated risks knowing they have somebody. I still wasn't all that impressed with El Nene uh, just because I, I, I don't, I don't, he covers a lot of ground, but when you look at the comparison between him, him and uh, 
Partey, he just is, he's able to cover, he, he covers more ground. He's more strategic. He knows the spots that he needs to be in counterattacks and things like that. But again, another top performance for him, for somebody who's whoa, just started. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Better, better than Xhaka, by the way. I'll have El Nenny in the team all day. I'm not even an Arsenal supporter. I, oh no, I'm, I'm complaining I'm to complain. I'm not, I'm not complaining, suggesting the <laughs> solutions right now. I'm complaining because I've seen this shiny new toy called Thomas on his jersey. That's fine, that's and, fine. And, and, and he's, he's, he's moved the bar up. A little bit. And it, and, it, and it shows that, like, you can play in a three-back system or five-back, however you want to call it, and allow players to take more risks knowing that he can slide over, shift, go side-to-side side and cover, and he can slide into that back line. He can do a lot of those things that you need if you're going to take those calculated risks on the attack. And then, obviously, Alba gets his first goal uh, off a penalty uh, after a five-game drought, which I thought was really important. Again, it's a penalty, but for, for streaky strikers who, especially struggling after signing his new deal, I think will be important for him. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the penalty in a second. We're going to do a little bit of a collective narrative on, on, on some of the penalty conversations that we've seen this weekend, Jimmy. But to your point about the diamond or whatever you want to call it, um, I think a key component of why Arsenal won, or at the very least didn't even concede, was because they stretched out when Man United couldn't. You had William Bellerin holding sort of like pushing that right side, Obama Young, Saka, Tierney on the other side, sort of stretching United. And when you stretch United, when you're trying to do this sort of, you know, Fred, Pogba, McTominay, Fernandez situation, it's going to be a problem. I don't know. I, I, I think that sometimes, again, like I said, the answer is simpler than what we think. And Arteta just outmanaged Solskjaer. And I keep saying, sorry to Solskjaer, criticizing Solskjaer. Sorry to Solskjaer. So, you know, Grant Wall said something pretty interesting on Twitter. He said, you know, United are going to be the first team that win the Champions League and get relegated. I mean, obviously, it's an embarrassment of a, of a situation for United, and it's an exaggeration from Grant's point. But there's a point here. I mean, who are you, United? Like, who, who are you, right? I, for me, I'll jump in here and just say they still feel like they're lacking a little bit of an identity in terms of the formation they want to play. Like every time you watch the, I know it's so hard to compare to Sir Alex Ferguson, but every time they stepped on the field, you knew they were going to come with something. There was a, there was a plan. Everybody was on the same page. And I just don't feel like everybody's always rowing the boat in the same direction, not in a bad way, but just like, just in terms of these little subtle movements, like let's, for instance, Pogba comes in against uh, RB Leipzig, but he only has Fred next to him. He's got Fernandez and Vanderbeek. Like there's just a different way and space is going to be different. All of a sudden you throw McTominay into the mix and I just don't feel like Pogba knows where to go, you know? And listen, I'm actually, I don't, I don't mind Fred. Fred covers a crap ton of grounds and I think he does a good job. I just don't think you need Fred and McTominay on the field. Maybe some opponents that would be okay. You absorb a lot of pressure and you know, you're going to counter, but uh, I don't know. It's, it was interesting. And then Greenwood, obviously still very young, you know, he picks his spots or he's still trying to kind of learn when he's going to have that influence and his connection with Rashford, Rashford. I thought they did a good job on him, keeping him pretty quiet for most of the game. So you have to credit Arsenal a little bit too, with the way that they play. And obviously they got their own little double pivot going with, with party and, and El Nene, you know, sitting in front of the back four, back five. Not a I diamond. Guess. This one, that, that one's not a diamond. Sure. And I actually thought Lacazette, I know he's probably we not the goal scorer that he once was, yeah. but, but he worked his tail off. And I he thought he, he created a lot of pressure in the attacking third, and that led to some opportunities. Uh, and so, you know, if that's what you want to get out of your number nine, I mean, that's part of it, at least. You just wish he had a little bit more of his finishing boots on. It's tough. I mean, I'm getting into Arsenal a little bit, but yeah, back to United. I just feel like, I wonder when they're going to stick with a consistent lineup that, that, that clicks so they can actually build on something. I thought RB Leipzig, just, just do it one more time, baby. Just, just try it one more time. Stick with that lineup, just back to back games and see what happens. It almost feels like, like a, yeah. yeah, almost like a, like a disrespect for the, the, the opponents they've faced where they've gotten results where he's like, I'm not, I'm not buying into our success there. I'm going to keep tinkering because, you know, I, I, I don't believe that, you know, scoring five on someone uh, that's, that's not one of our, league opponent it's a different type of game and it just seems like you know jimmy you know what it's like going through those systems where it's constantly tinkering when you're a player at, at a certain point that trust is gone you know um so yeah i agree with you no the, an overcomplication of tactics perhaps and now united have to travel to turkey istanbul Besiktas, in the champions league and then they have to travel to uh, goodison park an everton side that's now you know, two losses two straight losses in the league probably looking for something listen here comes one for you and I've already said it. I actually said it. I've said it from like two seasons ago, even when he still had the Tottenham job. Mauricio Pochettino should be managing Manchester United. The things that he could do with the squad, I think, would be tremendous. I don't want to take anything away from Oligan and Solskjaer, right? And it's going to be very difficult for this club to, you know, at some point, 
you know, remove themselves from him just because he's a cult legend, a club hero. But I, I still think that we don't know who this Manchester United side is. And that's going to be a problem, whether you do well in the Champions League or what have you, because the league and the points and the statistics and the position in the table don't lie at all. Moving on. Sorry, United fans, but, you know, it's one that you needed to hear and you probably agree. But moving on, we will talk now about Liverpool against West Ham. Uh, West Ham opened the scoring. one nothing, Jimmy. It was one nothing to West Ham. And then, again, I promise you, listeners, we're going to talk about the penalty. Salah um, got that penalty, uh, made it 1-0, and then it ended 2-1 on the night at Brighton, I'm not sorry, at Brighton, what am I talking about? At Anfield, um, with Diego Jota once again scoring uh, a good result, three points, not necessarily a great performance, but a good result, especially when you don't have Van Dyke, et cetera. Jimmy, thoughts on Liverpool West Ham? Yeah, I thought, I don't know, they're the champions. They, you know, they figured out a way to, to squeeze out a result. I, what's interesting is Michael Antonio, by the way. Without that's Michael true, which, which I, I, when I was telling people the wager, it was really based, based on whether he yeah. started or not, and he didn't. And so hopefully people stayed away from this one. What I'll say, though, the timing of Mohamed Salah's goal, like right before halftime, West Ham is feeling fantastic about their situation. You know, Boyce has probably already got his halftime speech in his head. He knows how he wants to, like, continue to play. And then that happens. And, yes, we can get into the nuts and bolts of that later. But this is the timing of that. Had to have been heartbreaking. And for them, probably gave Liverpool a lot of momentum coming out of that half. You know, they did what they had to do. It wasn't great, a Liverpool performance. I thought, you know, Sadio Mane didn't hit the stat sheet, but I thought he was really influential and I thought he was busy and he's doing his things. And, uh, you know, I don't know. That's what champions do. They figure out ways to win games that maybe they shouldn't. Yeah, and Sadio Mane, to your point, even though he doesn't commit to assists or goals in this specific game, he just draws players in. And that allows players like Diogo Jota to come in later because by the end, when Klopp was looking for the winner, we had Heath, we had uh, Jota, we had Shaqiri, uh, we, we had a lot of attacking players, and I guess it paid off. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I, I still can continue to be surprised by Diogo Jota. He had one called back, scored a match, scored the match winner, and it just, I don't know, man. I, there's just something super impressive about him, and I, and I was already impressed with him, again, but to see him slide into a new squad, accept, uh, accept the role that he has, but be as important as he's been, uh, you know, Liverpool are back on top of the table again. And I think uh, it's one of those years where teams like Liverpool are are excited because they haven't had the fastest start, meaning, you know, they're not 7-0 and right now or however many games they've played. Uh, but but they're, they're training in the right direction. And it's early, and it's tough to come off of a year like they've had, obviously not in the Champions League, but in the league, and then the year before that in the Champions League, to keep that momentum up. And they're relying on on that squad depth, obviously now, uh, having to go even deeper with injuries. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch this one particularly closely, but to see uh, Jota be, come in and score match winners again, I don't know who the genius is behind that that signing or that purchase, but uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and listen, uh, Jimmy, since the 7-2 loss to Villa, uh, Liverpool has only uh, drew against Everton in the Merseyside Derby. Now they've won every game after that. Uh, yeah, this is a big week, though, coming up, man. They got Atalanta midweek in Italy, and then they play a Manchester City in Manchester. So, And then they host Leicester City. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like there's, there's this is the next 10, 14 days is going to be popping off for Liverpool. And could that necessarily determine their, their season? I feel like that feels pretty dramatic. But I think it will kind of tell us how they're going to survive in big games without Virgil van Dijk. A very good point. And as you mentioned, Van Dyke, special mention to Nat Phillips, Nathaniel. I thought he did really well. He just, you know, stood his ground. It was a big game, needed to sort of help Liverpool gain that confidence. And he, and he did that. Um, quickly about Chelsea. A good win, but not great for Christian Pulisic. Once again, he was ready to come on, start the game, and in the warm ups, they're playing a sort of mini four and four, five and five, and, and pre warm up. And, and, it seemed like it was a, a lower leg thing, but it looks like a hamstring issue. Um, not sure how long he'll be out for uh, as we speak, but it's, it's Heath. It's just it's not good. It's not good to you know once again see a pause in his uh, career. Yeah, and look, Chelsea's starting to show a signs of success. At least they were in the Champions League uh, of this new young type of system. But for U.S. fans. Uh, is where I'm, I'm sort of focusing on where there's so much talk of this golden generation, things like that. Um, 
but it only takes one or two injuries for that to change. And, 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 and we've seen that in the past with, you know, in every country seen some of their best players never come to fruition because of those injuries, they keep on ticking up. And when you're talking about four v four, five v five, when you have a hamstring issue, that's usually because you go from zero to explosive in a second. That's usually where you get that overextension or that overuse. Those four v four, five v fives are pretty controlled environments. Right. And it starts to make me wonder, like in terms of his physical build, uh, you know, how it, how it's going to hold up because the Premier League, it's not like, you know, even, even Chelsea in general, it's not like, you know, whether he's out of favor or not, or in favor is going to dictate whether he plays or not, but it's not like there's games where you can cruise or take time off or things like that. It's a very physical league and the demands of playing in multiple competitions. Yeah. He did this in a warmup. He did yeah. this in a warmup. That's it's pretty alarming. I think. No, uh, are we over Jimmy? You're no, no, I'll say this. I mean, every time he doesn't play, it gives opportunities to Frank Lampard's son, Mason Mount to come in and do well. <laughs> and, and Mason Mount did do well. And that pisses me off as an American. I'll be honest because we want him to continue to kind of push the boundaries of what we're capable of as a country and that we can uh, develop top world-class talent. So that's what gets me frustrated. And when he walked off, he threw his penny down. Like we're all Christian Pulisic in that moment. That's all of our moods because this was a good opportunity. And just to talk about Chelsea overall, I like that they didn't go with Jorginho and Conte and Golda Conte in the middle of the midfield. I almost called them Antonio Conte because you're just so used to that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I thought that was, it was nice to see. Uh, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm excited about that. I, I know you probably have to change it maybe potentially based on the opponent, but Conte sitting in front of the back four that allows you to bring in two more attacking guys off of his shoulders. Mason Mount played higher. I'm looking at it right now. Kai Havertz, you know, got to get a little bit more involved. Zayash obviously scored the goal, you know, and he's involved and he looks bright. I still think he's trying to figure out where he should fit, you know, and where he needs to find the space. But Timo Werner obviously is excellent. And then Tammy Abraham is up high, you know, it's just, they have some options and it just would have been cool to see Pulisic play with just one holding midfielder as opposed to two and, and trying to attack in just ones and twos. The last thing I'd say about that is, is Jimmy spot on also because of the fact that they are shifting to a youth system. So you don't get, everybody's getting the same excuses of having an off game when you're, when you're a young player and you're competing against players that are your same age, right? It's not about, you know, continue to get Pulisic minutes, uh, whatever. He's a five-year pro now at this point. And you're playing against, you're competing in spots, whether it's Timo Werner, Tammy Abraham, Kim Ziyech, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz. Like, these guys are all young. All of them. Every single one of them is young. And you're giving up those chances. And Jimmy knows what it's like. It takes one game for you to get buried in a lineup. You go on a run of results. It could be, it could be the new year before, you know, before you get a game again. Yeah, listen, I'm a neutral. I'm not a USA. Like, I, I couldn't care less. This is this is bad. Like, he needs he needs his time because we know. Well, you, don't, you, know you don't have to say you couldn't care less, you know. You can just care a little bit. You can care a little bit. All right. I, I don't want to get. I agree. I was like, that's harsh. That's pretty harsh. <laughs> All right, listen. I, I care, okay? I care a lot. <laughs> you care enough to have an opinion, so we'll, we'll yeah. take it. You, you, could care, you could care less is the way to say it. I could care a little bit. I, I miss you, Christian. Get back on the pitch, all right? Nah, I'm all about my boy Gio Reyna. As long as he does well, I'm fine with it. All right, moving on. Uh, a few other games, if you want to talk about them. Man City, of course, uh, beat Sheffield United in the early game on Saturday. Newcastle beat Everton 2-1. We talked about that true straight loss for Everton. Uh, my Villa lost 4-3 to Southampton. Um, it was a shambles in the first half, uh, courtesy of the incredible James Ward-Prowse. And then Villa came, came back, but a little too late in the second. Southampton, by the way, on a roll right now, fourth. Uh, you know, only three points off Liverpool, doing real well. I mean, listen, I go back all the way to last season when they got killed by Leicester City and everybody thought, oh, they're done, they're done. And look what Ralph Hasenhuntel done for this team. It's pretty, it's pretty great. Uh, though listen, it, didn't, listen, it didn't come I, at a price, though. Hold up, it didn't come at a price. Yeah, Danny Ings right. is injured. That's what I was about to say. Uh, you know, we and he was in the post press conference. He said, "Listen, I'm, I'm a little worried. I don't know how long he'll be out for, and that that will be that'll be a shame for Saints fans for sure." Yeah, he definitely he suffered a knee injury, but his goal was a banger as well. I have Emmy Martinez. Oh my god, yeah. Emmy Martinez is in my fantasy team. And I was like, That's all right, only Villa's been good. Dude, I mean, I didn't I don't fault him for any four of the goals. You know, I just thought they're all bangers and what are you gonna do? Listen, just like Leeds and Pat Bamford, the only way you can beat Villa is with belters right now, right? That's but, true. Good point. Good but point Southampton on. is fourth. That's good. Villa's uh, in seventh, but they do have a game in hand by the end of all this week. Leicester City plays Leeds tomorrow. All right, we promised you this. 
there's a little penalty narrative right now this past weekend, all right? And uh, the reason why we don't bring in our friend Christina Uncle is because we kind of want this from a player's, former player's perspective and also just like from a fan's perspective because here's what's happening. I, I believe, and I've said it for a while now, that in the age of VAR, what a penalty constitutes has now sort of transformed itself into different things, okay? So I'll give you three examples. The first one, the Mohamed Salah one. Mohamed Salah, if you watch this one, I'm, I don't think it's a penalty. I think that he sells it beautifully, and I think that a very slight kick forced a very aggressive fall, but that's just my interpretation. What did you guys think of it, Jimmy, starting with you? For the most Salah one, I've seen this multiple times. I've looked at it from different angles. Yeah, I'm going to agree it's probably not a penalty there. Um, However, as a defender, you take the control out of your own hands when you swing and hope to get the ball. Yes, it was pretty – it's really harsh. It's a really soft penalty, and obviously most of the law has a reputation, which I think should be taken into consideration when you're a referee. Like, this guy dives a lot. And, and they might, but I just thought it felt harsh. However, I'm going to say that the defender doesn't need to swing there. Most of is not in a threatening position. I mean, he's obviously in the attacking third and in the box, but he's not like he's in on goal. Like I understand if you're trying, like last ditch trying to do whatever you can to block a shot, but this wasn't. He had him in a situation where he's still okay, but he swings. That's where the issue is for me. Like as a defender, he should know better. These guys are experienced players. And because he does put himself at risk, it allows the referee to blow the whistle. If he just keeps his feet and doesn't swing and keeps moving, he doesn't, he doesn't even leave his feet, but if he just keeps his feet moving and keeps like, shepherding him to the sideline or the end line or waiting for help. Yeah, it would have been a much different situation, but when he swings, it changes things. Heath. Yeah. On that particular one. Uh, I agree. I look, I, I, I've been listening all the talk right now, right. From commentators, old commentators on TV are like, Oh yeah. in this day and age, you know, everybody, <laughs> every, you know, that that's definitely a penalty or the players are. And today was the first day in a long time that I was like, I actually think I'm starting to agree with this you know, for, for, for the longest time. I was like, dude, I can't listen to these guys talk about, well, in my day, you know, you would get kicked and you just get up and keep going, you know? And I, I promised myself I would never become that person, uh, which I probably am becoming that person. But today was one of those ones where across multiple games that I watched well, this, this weekend and multiple highlights, multiple live games that I watched, that was things that the commentators are saying, but it's starting to come true. Like the embellishment of these moments, right? It's one thing if a guy goes down, falls down, they decide to go back and review. He gets the call in from the VAR that says, hey, you should take a look at this. Let's go back. He stops the game, whatever. That's different. But the selling of this is what I do think should be taken into account. Even if there's a foul, the game is going to have to get to a point where if you are embellishing it, if I tap your ankle and you do a front flip, there's something to that. That is... That is a matchstick man. That is a con man. That is somebody that is drawing it and players have the reputations. But now if they flop, they're forced to sort of take a second look, right? Even the people in the, in, in the booth are going to take a second look when you flop. And maybe that's what's drawing attention to the actual thing that they might not see otherwise. So I get it from both sides, but I do think like I'm starting to become the old man that's like, you know, when I was playing, you would have never, you would have never gone down in yeah. that situation or flop but yeah i agree with jimmy on that one too we have a uh, two you know one more example uh and then we'll we'll wrap it up because uh we don't want to go on and on about this but this is the same thing that i said when uh langlet uh, was holding sergio ramos's shirt and sergio ramos kind of again uh perf- you know a beautiful performance uh but in the age of var when you're looking at this in a microscopic like lens like it's just going to be tough however this one's interesting Tottenham went 2-1 against Brighton, and the opening goal uh, was a penalty given uh, Harry Kane. The ball's in the air, and Adam Lallana is looking right at the ball. He wants to just jump and head that out. Harry Kane, and he has done this before, and I'm a big fan of Harry Kane, so this has nothing to do with, like, I, I love him. I think he's great. But he's done this before. I think it was against West Ham, where the ball's in the air. He, he knows there's somebody behind him. He doesn't look at the ball. He looks at the defender and then he checks himself back into him. And then as the ball's arriving, he falls. And today that's what happened. And he got a penalty. That one to me 
I mean, it's very smart for Harry Kane. But again, when you have VAR, was it a penalty, Jimmy? I think there's two ways that fan, emotional fans will look at this. One, if you love Harry Kane or whatever, well, even you do and you don't really care for this. I think you either think he's crafty, as you mentioned, you said he was smart, smart play, or you think he's an absolute cheat. I don't think there's any room in between there. Personally, and I played against a player in MLS that I remember distinctly that would do this all the time. His name is Carlos Ruiz. He was the war, one of the worst villains of all time in MLS. Pescadito. And, and <laughs> tremendous at this in particular. And it ends up becoming a territory spot. If the ball goes up, then who can, who's going to maintain it and get to that territory or that piece of real estate first? And you're now dealing with people that know what they're doing. Yeah, Carlos Ruiz would always take a peek and look. You know, and then he, then he would then figure out a way to gain the physical advantage. Lalana, yes, he's looking at the ball, and that's completely fair. But but when Kane gets there first, and it's similar if we want to talk about Paul Pogba and whoever he fouled was it Bellerin? You know, Bellerin just gets there first. Pogba comes in. It's just these like, or or I guess it was more the other one, the uh, Andre Gomez Everton uh, Callum Wilson one, where yeah. yeah, Gomez is looking at the ball to clear it. But if Callum Wilson gets there first, if yes, it feels soft, but you, you're kicking this guy, whether you're trying to kick him or not, he gets there. It's tough. You know, I guess if I was Lalana, I would feel totally aggrieved. But looking like at it now, it, it's a it's a territory game. And if Kane gets there first and occupies that space, Lalana just has to have a little bit better awareness. Just like Harry Kane is taking a peek to see where Lalana is, Lalana needs to take a peek to see who's who could potentially take that piece of real estate. Yeah, he's he's the one the thing about this though is and I'm glad you mentioned Pogba because I forgot about that one. I, I think that was a penalty because he didn't mean to do it, but he did clip him. Uh, and that's different to what I saw with Kane. The, the reason he's why I'm bringing up Kane even more so is because Kane has no intention of working for that ball. The first thing he does is he looks at Lalana and he wants to get the foul. That to me is the differentiator. What do you think, Heath? Yeah, I agree. I, and look, I think Pogba's is a lot easier because Pogba decided to take responsibility for it after the game, right? He says, yeah, I, I shouldn't have done that. But it's still soft on some level, right? There's not, it's, it's clear contact. He arrives a little bit late. He knows that like, again, as Jimmy said before, you put your leg out there, you're putting yourself at risk, right? You go lunging. You've now got your leg separated from your body, a lot less control of your body and you are going for it. And that either you make a big play or you make the fatal error that leads to a penalty. Um, but with Harry Kane, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the intent, the, the, I know we're not going to bring Christina uncle onto this one, but again, when we, when, um, when um, Luis Garcia brought it up the, uh, on one of the shows, one of these recent weeks on, on, on CBS, it was about, it would be good to have a player in this room who has a feel for it. Right. And I know there's bias and all these things, but somebody who can look at it and go, Oh, I know what that is. Like I've seen that before. I've seen that in training seven days a week from one of my teammates uh, trying to draw a penalty in training or draw a foul in training. You see it thousands and thousands of times, the simulation, the exaggeration, the selling of these moments that I think can change okay, perspective. Wait. One second. I'm just trying to like find a parallel in other sports. If you're a basketball player and you know some guy's going to like charge it and try to go for the, the basket and you put your body in there to take the block, I see it almost the same way. You get to that piece of real estate first and if the rules – are the rules, man. I mean, if you have that, listen, I hated when Carlos Ruiz did that to me, but I had to figure out a way to not allow him to get that leverage on me. So how do you do that? Right. I mean, that's, and, and well, that me, is how they draw fouls, right? A lot of strikers draw fouls by getting that real estate, plant your feet, get, take that hit. Foul, right. You know? Right. So I don't know. I don't know. It's there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for. Yeah. Uh, and we could talk about it a lot. And I would love, we would love to hear what your thoughts are. My 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 only argument to the NBA example is that the player that's drawing the foul there, the charge, whatever, is a defensive player. Here's Harry Kane not looking for the ball. So that's that's different. Having said all that, plenty to talk about. And you're right. Wait, one second, one second. Listen, <laughs> Harry, I can't I can't let this go. Lalana could have looked at Harry Kane to see what he was doing as well. I mean, you still want to have an idea. But what he didn't, and that's my point. Lalana is looking at the ball. Lalana wants to head the ball out. Harry right. Kane's first instinct is to look at Lalana and say, I'm going to get this foul. But my point is, in the age of VAR, when the ref can look back, he sees that, he will know that Harry Kane's first thing is not the ball, but rather getting the foul. And I think that's when he can say, no, there's no penalty here. 
if I was Harry Kane, I'd be like, I'm just trying to see which players, how I'm reckless. I'm not Harry Kane. I understand, We're, I understand. Harry Kane's 100% like, well done. You got your penalty. Excellent. Like, like Pescadito, same thing. You got your pen. The difference is, is like, now you have technology that can help evaluate this, right? Yes. I want to say one thing about Pogba really quick. I know you want to move on. Pogba is chasing somebody from midfield into that space, right? He's late to it. I don't think that's necessarily his responsibility because he can't see the runner that's going behind him. Or it's like, it's still a foul. I think it's, I agree with it. It's the, I'm not questioning the, it's 100% a penalty. I'm not questioning that soft, whatever. It's still a penalty. I think the center back that can see the whole play needs to cover that space. And oh, Pogba doesn't need to cover that. 100%. So for anybody, so for anybody that's point. watching that play, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that is on uh, McGuire or whoever the left back is, uh, Shaw to potentially be, or Shaw had actually stepped out. Correct. So the other center back, like yeah. so they can see the whole play unfold. They should be able to read that. I expect that from 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 defenders that play for a club like Manchester United. That's correct. The, the foul was given by Pogba, but it wasn't his fault. Uh, you know, from a collective standpoint. Correct. I, he could have done better. He could have anticipated that a little bit quicker, but. I would expect my center back. That's their job to kind of be able to do two things at once. So Correct. Let's know. end it on saluting Pogba. That's well done. <laughs> Pogba, don't worry about it. We still love you. I, I let you off the hook, Pogba. Not all the time, <laughs> but I'll let you off the hook. On Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're moving on from the Premier League and penalties, etc. Well, maybe not. Maybe we'll come back to it. But let's talk <laughs> about Real Madrid. Let's go to La Liga Real Madrid. They won 4-1 against Huesca. Benzema got some goals. More importantly, Edding Hazard. Got a goal, uh, a good goal for that matter. Atletico Madrid won 3-1 against Osasuna. Uh, Joao Felix once again shining and, and performing, especially uh, when some players were missing. And Barcelona ties against Alaves. Um, just a horrible goal to concede. I hope you all watch it. Heath, any thoughts from that? Now Real Madrid 4-1, Atletico Madrid 3-1. Barcelona tie it. Um, Madrid, by the way, uh, and Atletico, actually. Madrid has a game in hand. Atletico has two games in hand. Barcelona is all in 13th place with two games in hand. It's still early, but these results coming their way. Heath, what do you make of it, of La Liga this past weekend? Anything that stood out to you? Joao Felix. Joao Felix, four goals this week across all competitions. He did that today, kind of took the team on his back. Osasuna were actually better for the first 30 minutes or so and, and had quite a few chances. I actually, uh, you know, ha had trouble uh, recognizing which team was which uh, because there were some players missing. So it took me a minute in the game to be like, which, you know, who is who here? Uh, but Joe Felix were, was, was amazing. Missed the penalty, uh, but his, his strike on his first penalty, so good, right side netting, and then went to the same spot, hit the post. Uh, they weren't able to capitalize, but finished the game with two, two goals. Uh, and I, I don't have the table in front of me right now, but I think Atletico Madrid are, are, are second or third in the table uh, and have crept, crept up hey. after... Yeah, they're third with two third. games in hand. Yeah, so they, they were sitting sort of mid-table behind on some games and kind of a slow start, and, and now they've, they've snuck up behind Real Madrid. And, um, and uh, who is it, Deportivo? Who's up? Real Sociedad. Sociedad. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, where I came with yeah. Deportivo. La Coruña, who am I talking about? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but yeah, look, I, I think that was a really important win for him. And we're actually starting to see that consistent run of form, right? A, a lot of the talk was like, yeah, they, they, they brought him in and they were working him into the team and making it really easy for him to get adjusted and learn the new system. But now you're starting to see that come to life. I think his last goal was on the first match day of the season and he hadn't scored since. He had a goal and assist. And so, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's good to see a player like him who, who costs as much as he did and has the potential that he has start to consistently have a run of form. Jimmy, what do you see out of those games? Uh, Barcelona tying, Real Madrid winning, Atletico winning. Yeah, I think with Atletico, just to kind of further that comment or the topic of Heath, I really like Angel Correa up top. He started up top with Joao Felix. He's a number 10. They usually play him out wide. I just thought his energy and movement was very good. And I think that allows Joao Felix to partner off of him in a little bit of a different way, not to take anything away from Luis Suarez, obviously he's a fantastic player and Diego Costa. When I don't think we're ever going to see this, the Diego Costa that we know and love from like six or seven years ago, but, but uh, I like Correa a little bit closer to Joao Felix. However, they figure that out. I just think it makes for a better attack from Atleti. I will say with Barcelona had more than enough chances to win that game. They had a man for like the last 30 or 40 minutes a man advantage. Cause there was a red card. A bad goal to give up, but that still shouldn't have taken away from the fact that they had opportunities. The goalkeeper made some big saves as well. Ansu Fati had a 1v1 that he missed. Uh, Messi had a couple good chances. They got to be ecstatic, though, that Antoine Griezmann finally got off the schneid, uh, that he scored his first goal. It was a good goal, well taken. 
yeah, they're going to be pretty gutted that they let this one slip through their fingers. And then with Real Madrid, another player that needed to score was Eden Hazard. He scored a banger. It looked very Chelsea-esque, very peak uh, Eden Hazard. We'll see where he kicks on from there. What's interesting is that Kareem Benzema was fantastic yet again, scored a brace. Uh, he, for me, still is underrated as a number nine. I, I don't know why we always kind of like, ah, whatever, Kareem Benzema. That guy has been doing it at one of the biggest clubs in the world under the microscope for so long. And he still goes out there and performs Ronaldo with him. Ronaldo's not with him, whoever he's still, he's such an important part of that team. And I, I hope that he gets his due at some point. Obviously Robert Lewandowski is outshining him as the best number nine in the world right now. But if Lewandowski wasn't doing anything, I think we'd be talking about Kareem Benzema a lot more. But Benzema, Benzema doesn't get the credit because of, of, of his reputation. I think, I think <laughs> his reputation. What, are you talking about that one tape that what Valpoena yeah. had? That, I, yeah. I, I literally yeah. think that's the one. There, there are things about him, the fact that he's not that fun or friendly because he's got <laughs> some controversies. You know, you go to Lewandowski, he's got a TikTok and he's dancing with his wife. They're having a good time. Like he's a lot, like there's just things that happen around us that shape our opinions of somebody. I think Benzema has most of these goal scoring records at Real Madrid, if I'm not mistaken already. And so he's definitely one of the best and he's very confident. But again, it's one of those types of things of when people compare Ronaldo and Messi as, as people and personalities, you just sort of shape your opinion of them based on more than their stats. You shape it on, you know, how you how you see them as humans, which I think hurts Benzema ultimately and people's opinion of him. That's just yeah. my take. I, I think that that's true. I agree with both of you. I think the other addition is that he has never been the guy at Real Madrid. It was always Ronaldo, and then Hazard comes in, and he's never been it. And sometimes maybe the galactical culture of Real Madrid has sort of maybe shattered him a little bit where if he would play for somewhere else where he really would be the guy that would be different I have a question for you actually it's from one of our listeners for both of you very quick answer from you guys uh Jake Fenner Jefferson Jake Fenner on Twitter after Atletico's rough showing against Bayern they picked up three points in a close match versus Jesse Marsh's squad in Salzburg is the monkey of their back and of course the win this past weekend is the monkey of their back or is there a lot more work this team needs to do i mean we've talked about atleti a little bit jimmy what what do you think as a, you're an atleti fan i am I, I still worry about who their number 10 is you know that's why i was kind of hyping a correa a little bit earlier he wears the number 10 shirt he has that ability to kind of break open a game he likes to get in behind the defense which isn't really a number 10 I think by trade but but the fact that he likes to create uh, and he can do it 1v1 I think is important that's why I want him closer to another creative player in Joao Felix but you know Diego Simeone has his instincts they're very defensive he likes to have like two holding midfielders and create his attacks kind of out wide and then maybe he could have somebody drop in I don't know it's just not that pretty not that that aesthetically pleasing but I think that uh, I don't think they're there yet I think that's the short answer I feel like they still need somebody unless Simeone can evolve his tactics a little bit and, and maybe just get pushed in some different ways to make it happen. I think that Luis Suarez has been a help. You know, I think that's given him some different options. We'll, we'll see, but I'm still cautiously optimistic um, or maybe pessimistic that they're going to figure it out because Simeone's just Simeone. And I love him for who he is, but sometimes I feel like his tactics are a bit archaic. Or maybe realistic. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Heath? Uh, guys, I, if you're going to see the playback on this video. I just caught a cramp in my hamstring right now. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys saw it. I don't know. I literally, that I shouldn't have talked about Pulisic because I literally had a cramp right now. When you guys see the video, oh, man. I, 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 I should have never mentioned it because this is – I honestly have a complete lost train of thought right now, so skip me on this because <laughs> I, if I move my leg right now, it's going to cramp up again, and that that hurt. That hurt. You guys, are gonna, you guys will see it. Just you wait. We will call that the Pulisic curse. Don't ever talk about Pulisic's hammy because something might happen to you on your yeah. chair. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, but my, my point, Luis, is that I, I already made my sort of uh, – gave my two cents on, on Atletico earlier. And, yeah, I just, I just think that they, they – I was kind of I, – I was, when I was doing some research a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of like, wow, I expected them, you know, with Luis Suarez to kind of be like, oh, this could be a team that competes for a trophy this year, like to win the league in a year where there's a lot of controversy around or turnover potential. There was no signings at Real Madrid. Barcelona are in shambles as a club, which we see every couple of years between these two super clubs. There's all this drama going on. I thought, okay, whatever. And they were middle of the table, but now they snuck back up to where I think they're, they're, they're better. And I, and I could see them competing. They have, they have the quality. Uh, they have seemingly some depth uh, and, and they're, they're getting results. So I think, I think, yeah, my, that added to what I said before. And, and I think they're in a good spot. 
Let's uh, very quickly round up Europe here. Um, Gladbach beat Leipzig one nothing, and uh, in Serie A, uh, Ronaldo came back. Cristiano Ronaldo came back for Juventus, uh, which actually really, honestly, prompted the four one win against Spezia. It was one all for a while. Alvaro Morata. Uh, finally got his goal, Weston McKenney with the assist on that one. Uh, but it was one off for a while. And then uh, Ronaldo came in, uh, got his brace uh, in between uh, Adrian Rabios goals in the 65th minute. Juventus wins for one. And then the other one, of course, AC Milan, amazing. Against Udinese, Slatan Ibrahimovic with a late winner. Just what can you say about this guy? Any thoughts on all those matches, Jimmy? Yeah, I would say with regard to Zlatan, it's nice to see a former MLS player go over to another league and, and do well, frankly. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I, 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 it's nice to see, you know, him do well in a retirement league like Serie A. And uh, he's owning it. The, the guy is absolutely owning it. And I, I, I really marvel at what he brings to the table, his awareness, his, his how to move, how to, how to draw space either for himself or some, for somebody else is second to none. And of course, I just think AC Milan and a lot of teams need what I think Zlatan has is that kind of swagger you know, a little bit of confidence, like, yeah, nobody's going to beat us. You know, we, we're, we are who we are. And, and I think that's, they've injected that into their veins to borrow that meme. And, and I think it's made a big difference in a lot of their players. They're like, just, they're, they're playing to their potential and, and doing it consistently. Yeah. Heath. Yeah, I agree. I think Zlatan, the thing about him is he, he demands so much attention when he's on the field, any space that he occupies and he'll drift off the shoulder. He'll drift offside. He'll walk back. He'll walk for 70 minutes but you still have to keep two people with an eye on him all the time, three people with an eye on him where he starts to drift, even on his penalty, he draws something over and then still has that ability to cut one back to Frank Kessie, who's able to, 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 to put it away. But just, he, he just has those qualities, you know, that, that don't go away when you lose your legs, because oh, quite frankly, he lost his legs a long time ago. He doesn't move a ton. Uh, and, and I think he still has, magic i still he's capable of magic and and can lead a team and again like jimmy said he almost has the ability to either psych your team out or psych them up to play up he doesn't have anywhere in between we saw when he was in at la galaxy that level was you know when it came down to playoffs it, they expected him to arrive he didn't uh during the season he he carried the team and i just think that he has the ability to to either make your team or break your team yeah, you either follow and copy the confidence or you're overwhelmed by it, for sure. But Slatan Ibrahimovic, 39 years old, by the way. I mean, I'm real. Luis, I just, I just want to say one thing, and I apologize. I feel like I interrupt you and Heath a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's just today. Maybe no, it's you, de Sunday, you, de you, definitely, you definitely do, but it's fine. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we do it to you, too, but it's fine. Okay, good, yeah. good. No, I appreciate that. I want that. Keep it coming. I, what I want to say about this, and I hadn't really thought about Zlatan like this before, but why he feels like a bit of a throwback is because he seems like a player that wants responsibility, that he wants to have the accountability. He wants to hold himself to a high standard and he's going to follow through. Yeah. That, that there's something about that. I feel like it, it's been his whole career. Players. His yeah. entire career. This is what I said this week on CBS HQ. His entire career has just literally been, listen, you either are going to be with me and follow me and know that I'm the best or you're just going to try and deny that. But it's whatever happens, I'm going to be right. I mean, he, titles at Ajax, Barcelona, PSG, Manchester United. I mean, he didn't win anything at Egazi, but he did get, you know, the most goals in a season. You know, he completely uplifted that squad for whatever you may want to call it. PSG, the fact that he's third, most goals scored ever by anybody in Sweden. He's the only player, aside from Roque Santa Cruz from Paraguay, who scored in, nine, in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s. Only two wow. people have done that, and he's one of them. And like it, just, it just goes back to my favorite saying he has ever said when he was at MLS. And he was like... I'm a Ferrari amongst Fiat's. And that's me. <laughs> it's like people conceive it as arrogance, but it's that what you just said, Jimmy. It's that it's that will to just sort of take over that will forever make him, whether you love him or hate him, you cannot deny the greatness of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You just can't. Can I, can I make one more point now since we've all, we're all, go, all going back on these, uh, these points? Yes, when, yes. I was, when I was looking at my notes earlier and I was thinking about penalties from today being, being one of the themes of today, I was thinking... I can't remember. Zlatan drew a penalty a couple of weeks ago when he got clipped, but it was a clear clip where the guy swung his leg from behind yeah. and, and whatnot. But I was like, that's a striker that I know. And, and again, he, he, he is physically larger than anybody. It's a lot harder for him to just flop and fall, whatever. But he doesn't, and I could be completely wrong here, but he doesn't seem to be from that group of players 
looking for penalties all the time, unless you really take him down. And I could be completely wrong here, and maybe I've just missed, uh, you know, 180 of his 200 and 200,000 goals. <laughs> There's so like, look yeah, back. yeah. But but I I I I was literally thinking about Zlatan, about that being a player who seems to scrap in the box, fight, likes physical confrontation, but doesn't like the physical confrontation so that he can draw you in get you to hit him. And then he goes down and takes a penalty. Yeah, sure. He'll get you sent off and he'll get sent off, but like, it's not in, in the, in the vein of every inch within the box. I'm looking to get my big toe in front of yours so that when you're, when you clip it, I'm going down. Yeah. I, I've never really thought about his game like that for, for sure. I mean, he's, he's just the ultimate target man and we, he will be missed when he retires because you know, whether you love him or hate him, the things that he does, like you said, Jimmy, that he's brought swagger back to AC Milan and they are top of the table. Is he one of your top 10 strikers of all time? Top five, Luis? I'm going to go to you. Top where, 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 where does he fall? He hasn't won a Champions League. He hasn't won a World Cup. I don't know if that matters to you, but... Uh, well, it's the same argument we make curious. about... It's the same argument we make about George Best as well, right? Like, and it's like, you know, it, it, he wouldn't be a top five for me. Uh, just personally, just because of who I like. But he's definitely a top 10. I mean, you know, you just, you just can't deny the greatness. But, you know, there... Th th it is. It is very difficult. I feel like we should get your top five. Actually, now I'm curious. Me and Heath want to know your top five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ever? R nine Ronaldo for sure. Uh, yeah, he's up there. One's hundred. Okay. Okay. Who else? You mean just strikers? It's just yeah, strikers. And, and it could be it, your reason for the top five. It doesn't yeah, have to yeah, be yeah, most yeah. goals. Whatever. Your top five. Your my, top five. My Say Michael Owen. Go ahead. My personal <laughs> five. My Peter personal. Crouch. Peter Crouch is cool, man. We're cool, Peter Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> my personal five personal my personal five il fenomeno yes romario yes marco van basten oh, so guy's good. dating himself he's dating himself huh? he's dating himself <laughs> these, are, these, are legit, these are all legit picks though all legit picks paulo herrero okay and, and dwight york dwight wow. york wow, wow. A little true that tobago in your sauce uh, i like dwight, that i dwight like dwight york, york too Dwight York is the reason why I'm a Villa fan, and I will yeah. always remember He's that. a fantastic hey. player. Don't get me wrong. Who? I had a night out with that guy in Trinidad once. Oh, we have to talk about that. <laughs> no, we're running out of time, but I'll tell you this right now. We, this is a great question that uh, Jimmy said, and next time I want yours. And listeners, if you're listening and watching, I want yours as well. Who are your top five ever number nine? Personal, because you'll try and go with, like, you know, by stats. or what, Personally, who, who emotionally just hits you right here? Right, because Paulo Herrera is not going to be on everybody. Dwight York's not going to be on there, but they just hit me. It just causes an emotion. When when I hear Dwight York, I turn into that thirteen-year-old Villa fan who, like a Peruvian kid who didn't know any English, went to Villa Park for the first time and just watched this wonderful man from Trinidad and Tobago just completely make Villa Park lose it. And then he goes to United, and he made me cry. But that's for another story. Let's finish off with the women's FA Cup final. Finishing it off with a women's FA Cup final. Man City, Heath beats Everton 3-1. Sam Mewis uh, got in there, well, became one of three Americans, I believe, Kristen Press and um, Chris, uh, who, Lloyd as well, right? Who made who scored in a final, in an FA Cup final as well, I think. Was it Press? No, who was no, it? No, Pulisic, Pulisic on the men's side and Carly Lloyd. That's right. Yeah. Pulisic and Carly Lloyd one of three Americans who have scored in an FA Cup final. Man City wins it. Uh, plenty of conversation here. Hey, what did you what did you get from that game? Yeah. Look, Everton's lost twice this year across all competitions. And, and both those times are to City. And you know who scored in each of those games? Rose Lavelle, Sam Mewis. That's what I'm talking about. To be fair, I really like the growth of the league there right now. But our U.S. women, when they play in that league, are a step faster and above 95% of the players. Yeah, they there take is over. a large discrepancy and it shows you the actual quality. Yeah, the rest of the world is, is getting better and I love it. I love every part of it. But our, our US women are still a, a notch ahead. And there are some really, really good players in that league. But, and one of them being Jess Park. She's 19 year old teenager, kind of like- uh, Kevin De Bruyne kind of- Yeah, kind yeah. Of, yeah. She, she had an unbelievable assist driving inside on her right foot and, and had that Kevin De Bruyne type of perfectly weighted pass on the flight, a Gio Reyna type pass on the fly, yes, if you will. For, for um, Georgia Stanway for the, for the two yeah. ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, it, it was, it was really impressive, but yeah, it's uh it's uh you know, great for city because they're, they're, I think fifth in the league right now, they've got a long season ahead of them, but, but um, yeah, trophies are trophies. Silver well, it was the 50th cup 
uh, the 50th FA Cup Final Four in the women's game, and Man City takes it. it it's a good, yeah, it's a good league, right, uh, Jimmy? I mean, you know, I, I, I said about this back when I was with Sports Illustrated that they've done a tremendous job at promoting and advertising and, and, and tr just trying to get access. I mean, the fact that we can watch all the games for free on its website is great, but the game was a good one, 3-1 to Man City. They just seem like such a dominant force. Yeah, for me, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Everton goalkeeper Sandy McKeever. Uh, she made, I don't know how many saves. She was unbelievable. It's one of those performances where even though her team didn't win, she might have still been the MVP of the game, and you can't say that very often about goalkeepers. I don't know what the Everton men are looking at if they're looking for other goalkeepers, but I think she could probably be a little <laughs> bit better than Jordan Pickford. Uh, she was on, on fire today, and, uh, yeah, I think the future for her is very bright. And obviously, as Heath said, Everton are a good squad. I, I would say this last thing as well. I, I would say the more impressive result for City was in the semis against Arsenal, who who are they batter everybody in the league. It kind of reminded me a little bit. It, it reminds me of looking back at the 2019 Women's World Cup, where the semifinal and the quarterfinal were the big games. You know, France and England versus the final wasn't living up to a, as much of an expectation. But yeah, beating Arsenal, who I think are way out in front, and I think on 15 points or you know un, undefeated in the league so far, uh, is is a big step forward for them. Yeah, it's, it is a big step forward, and it was a good game nonetheless. That is it. Jimmy, Heath, always a pleasure. Make sure that you give us your top five number nines and send them to Kegolasso. Always a pleasure, friends. Heath, make sure you have a good weekend or the end of Sunday, I guess. You too, Jimmy. Thank you, Luis. Thank you. you thank you. Well. Going to hydrate up. Yes, sir. Peace up. I want to thank Jimmy and Heath for joining me today. Don't forget that you can follow us on Pod on Twitter and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Because if you're listening to this on cbssports.com, make sure that you follow us on those platforms or wherever you listen to your podcast. We will see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.